text this morning is from the book of Luke, chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. If you want to go ahead and turn there, Luke 2, 8 through 20. Words will also be on the screen. Luke 2, 8 through 20. Hear the word of the Lord. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see the birth of Christ. If you think about it, the hymn implores us to join all the earth in praise of the coming king. It celebrates the purpose of Jesus' advent, that sin and sorrow will cease their growth, that divine blessings will flow far as the curse is found. And the song celebrates the truth and grace that comes with Jesus, and it marvels at the wonders of God's love. So as we sing that hymn, it helps us feel what we should feel when we think about the birth of Jesus. Now, some of the first people to learn about the birth of Jesus, these shepherds in Luke chapter 2, they responded in a way that is consistent with joy to the world. We find adoration and, and meditation. We find praising and preaching. And so here's what, here's what I want us to do. I want us to take a look at these shepherds and their responses because I think that we need to see how these original hearers of the good news of Jesus' birth responded so that this Christmas, the news of Jesus' birth will not fall on numb hearts. Does your heart feel numb to Jesus this morning? Do you feel desensitized to the news that Jesus was born? You've heard it time and time again, especially in a church like ours where we emphasize the gospel every single week. Now, I don't know, there may be some churches out there that it's super refreshing every Christmas because, hey, we're talking about Jesus, you know? We, know, we never talk about him. Um, we talk about Jesus every single week here. Is your heart growing desensitized? Is your heart hardened right now? Do you feel numb we need to consider the impact Jesus' birth had on the original witnesses and consider how the birth of Jesus changed them and how it should change us. A good question for you to meditate on this week. We're not going to dig into this, but this is something that hit me earlier in the week. How different would your life be had Jesus never been born? Because we're about to make a big deal here about the fact that Jesus was born. Because Jesus was born... The shepherds and Mary in particular in this passage were never the same. But as you think about yourself as someone who's claiming faith in the same Jesus that these shepherds witnessed, how different would your life be had Jesus never been born? Something for you to think about this week. But here's a question I want us to consider this morning. How should we respond 
to the news that we have been telling you, that we have been declaring and confessing together, and that we will especially celebrate within our own families this week, that Christ the Lord has been born. How should we respond to that news? We see three responses in this passage, and I want to encourage you to respond in these three ways. First, we come and see. We come and see Jesus. Second, we worship and wonder. We worship and we wonder. And then finally, we go and tell. Come and see, worship and wonder, go and tell. The coming of Jesus sparks joy and wonder that leads his people to come and see Jesus, worship and wonder about Jesus, and then go and tell others about Jesus. So first, this response, come and see, come and see. Look with me in verse 8. And, and let's set the scene a little bit. We're not going to look at verses 1 through 7. We're going to actually, I'll, I'll be preaching a short little sermon on those verses at our Christmas Eve service. But basically, verses 1 through 7, we have just the, the sheer fact that Jesus was born. Mary gave birth to Jesus. And so then in verse 8, the scene shifts. In verse 8, we read, And in the same region, the same region as Bethlehem, the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Okay, so here's the scene. You have these shepherds who are out tending their flocks. They are keeping watch over their flocks. This is something they did every single day. Ordinary life. Jesus is born just a little ways over, and the same night, normal life is going on. Here's the emphasis here that I think we tend to forget. This night was an ordinary night that Jesus was born. I mean, it was, it was an ordinary night. These ordinary shepherds are just doing their job, and then an angel of the Lord descends from heaven, appears to them. The glory of the Lord is shining all around them in the same way that the glory of the Lord would descend on the people of Israel in the Old Testament. The glory of the Lord is descending here, and this angel announces simple news. Simple news. This, this bright and shining light all around. The angel comes to the shepherds and says, you need to come and see this newborn. But before the invitation is made, the, the angel tells the shepherds who has been born. Who has been born. Look, look at verse 10. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. So here's the purpose of the angel's coming. I've come to bring you good news. I've come to bring you good news that will be for great joy for all the people. In verse 11, here's the news. Here's the message. Here's the reason the angel is there. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. That's it. That's the message. So the announcement is, fear not, I'm, I'm coming to bring you good news. And then the good news is, a Savior has come. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The angel emphasizes two things about Jesus that makes him someone worthy to go visit. Because, you know, we will visit someone who's just given birth if we know them. But if you don't know someone, typically you don't go and see 
a baby who's been born. You know, if you're, if you're a person that wants to just randomly go visit people you don't know and see their newborn children, I need to see you after the service, okay? We need, we need to have a conversation. That's just weird. And for these shepherds in particular who have no clue who Mary and Joseph are, to want to travel and, and leave their work and leave their sheep, leave their flock to go and see a baby, they, they need to have a pretty good reason to do that. So, so the angel gives them a reason. The news that, that the angel brings highlights the identity and purpose of Jesus. There are three identity markers that we see here. The first is that Jesus, this one who was born in Bethlehem, is Savior. For unto you this day, we read in verse 11, is born in the city of David a Savior. So the baby in Bethlehem has been born to come and rescue sinners. The advent of Jesus is a rescue mission. Jesus is the Savior who will, who will rescue us from our sins. He will save us from our sins. So Jesus was born to die on a cross. He was born for the forgiveness of our sins. And, and this is the first part of this. Jesus is a Savior who comes to rescue us. But second, Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah. The angel says he's not only the Savior, but this day in the city of David... Christ is born to you. Christ, the, the Messiah, the, the one that the people of Israel have been longing for for ages and ages to come is now here. He has come to reign over the city of David and over the whole earth in an eternal kingdom and to sit on David's throne forever. He has come as the Messiah to reign and to rule. And the angels, a little bit later we're gonna see as they're singing of God's glory, they're also singing of God's peace. God's peace has descended and now it has come to earth because the Messiah is here. So second identity marker, Jesus is not just the Savior, he's the Christ. But third, he's not just the Savior and the Christ, he is the Lord. He is the Lord for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ or Messiah, the Lord. And this is what's most astonishing. The baby born in Bethlehem is the ruler of heaven and earth. I can't imagine what this must have been like for these shepherds to hear this news. The Lord of heaven and earth is lying in a manger in Bethlehem. You wanna go see him? Can you imagine hearing that? A baby has been born. I mean, it almost feels like an oxymoron. I mean, look at it. For unto you is born this day a savior who is Christ, the Lord. The one who is born is the Lord. He is worthy of worship. He is worthy of a visit from these shepherds because he is the Lord of heaven and earth, this helpless baby who had to be clothed, who had to be laid in a manger, is the reigning Lord of the universe. And he is worthy of global praise. So this is the identity of Jesus. But we also see here the purpose of Jesus. The purpose of Jesus. Why was Jesus born? Why was he born? And we could give a lot of valid answers to that question. But I want you to look at verse 11 and consider it in reverse. Okay, so let's, let's look at verse 11 and look at it in reverse order. The good news of great joy that the angel is, is declaring to these shepherds in the fields of Bethlehem was that a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, was born this day in the city of David unto you. I think that when we get to verse 11, the for unto you is just a really weird 
you know, way to start a sentence. And we don't consider it. And we do what I just did, and we focus on the identity markers. We focus on the Savior is here, the Christ is here, the Lord is here. And we totally skip past the first three words in verse 11. For unto you. Those, those words, those two words in particular, unto you, are the reason that we can receive the coming of Jesus as good news and not terrifying news. Because that could just as easily and just as justly from the Lord say, for against you has come the Lord in judgment against your sin. For against you. But no, it says, for unto you. I, the way the CSB translates it is a little more clear, I believe. It says, today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you. A Savior was born for you who is the Messiah, the Lord. Jesus was born for us. The reason there's an invitation for the shepherds and the reason there's an invitation for each of us to respond to the birth of Jesus by coming and seeing is because Jesus was born specifically for you. He was born for you. When we talk about, about Christmas, and Barton joked about it a few weeks ago in his sermon, you know, about Jesus being the reason for the season, and, and Christmas is all about Jesus. That's absolutely true. It's about his identity. It's about his mission, who he is, and what he came to do. But here's something you need to remember. Christmas is also about you. Christmas is about you. Now, not in the consumeristic way, not in the self-absorbed way that, that a lot of Americans think of this time of year. But Christmas is the news that Jesus Christ was born for you. We need to stop and behold this mysterious glory that God stooped down. The eternal Son of God took on human flesh and willingly entered a state of humiliation for you. We need to behold the wonder that the creator of the universe took part in his creation, that the sustainer of all life was held in human arms. All for you. So whenever you're tempted to doubt God's love for you, remember the incarnation. Remember that this angel comes to the shepherds and he announces a savior is born in the city of David. He is Christ the Lord, but he has been born unto you. He, he has been born for you. I love, I love Augustine on, on the incarnation. He says this, man's maker was made man that he, ruler of the stars, might nurse at his mother's breast, that the bread might hunger, the fountain thirst, the light sleep, the way be tired on its journey, that the truth might be accused of false witness, the teacher be beat, beaten with whips, the foundation be suspended on wood, that strength might grow weak, that the healer might be wounded, that life might die. And all of that for you. God loves you. Jesus was born for you to reconcile you to God and to reconcile you to one another. Because of who Jesus is and what he came to do, the shepherds are then compelled to come and see this one who has been born. Jesus has come to us and we are invited to come to him. If, if, if you look at verse 15, 
It says, when the angels went away into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. An invitation is not required, but an invitation is given. The birth of Jesus is not just interesting. It is eternally consequential. Forgiveness of sins is wrapped up in the birth of this child. If this child is not born, there is no forgiveness of sins. Freedom from the power of sin is not possible unless this child is born. And the restoration of all things is not possible unless this child is born. All of our hopes, all of our longings hang on the birth of this child and what he's come to do. The beauty of this invitation to come and see this child and receive from him is that he does not ask you to bring anything to offer, to give anything of yourself. Jesus has come to provide salvation. He has come to reign as Lord and he doesn't ask anything of you. It's an invitation to come and see Jesus and receive everything he has to offer. So the first thing we must do with this Savior, this Christ, this Lord who has come, is come to him and respond with saving faith. Okay, so come and see. Second, the second way to respond to the birth of Jesus is to worship and wonder. Look with me at verse 13. So after the news is shared, the angels are, or the angel is, is joined by a multitude of the heavenly host, it says in verse 13. And they start praising the Lord. So think, think hundreds, think thousands of angels all descending from heaven, and they're all declaring in this heavenly choir, this song, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. A second prominent response to the news and event of Jesus' birth is demonstrated by these angels that come and they worship God for sending his son. And so although the birth of Jesus is very ordinary, this announcement is, is met with this, this majesty of heaven meeting earth. Heaven meets earth in the coming of Christ, but heaven also meets earth as these angels gather to, to sing the Lord's praises. And there are a lot of ways that we can respond to the birth of Jesus, but none is more appropriate than praise. And I, I don't know where you are, but if you think about what Jesus has done for you, and the only response that you can conjure up in your mind or your heart is, praise the Lord. That's exactly what you should do. That's where you should be. That should be the response of your heart. Not, well, okay, well, since Jesus has done this, what can I, well, my goodness, he's done so much for me, what can I do for him? You know, I need to get busy, I need to get working. I'm not someone who, you know, is worthy or deserving of such a gift, so what can I do to better myself? No. The Lord has come and he has provided. The, the angels come and they don't provide a deal. They pronounce news of what Jesus has come to do. And so if your only response is, praise God. Praise God that my sins are forgiven. Praise God that I have hope for eternal life. And that's the exact appropriate response that you should have. The news of Jesus' birth should spark joy in our hearts. We should be captivated by what God has done in sending his son to rescue us from our sins, totally and utterly blown away 
by his grace. And we should respond with joyful praise and joyful worship for what he has done. But that doesn't just happen automatically. We can't just flip a switch. Maybe when you first heard the news, you were just blown away by it. But as you grow as a Christian, your heart may grow numb. It may grow cold to this news. So we're not just going to automatically be captivated by Jesus and worship him if we do not first sit in patient wonder of what God has done. And that's where I want to turn your attention to Mary. So, so the shepherds, they, they visit the child. They visit Mary and Joseph and, and Jesus because, my goodness, if, if what they heard is true, they have to see with their own eyes. And, and if you look in verse 16, it says, And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had, uh, sorry, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. So everyone who's present hears this news from the, from the shepherds, that an angel visited them and told them the baby who was born in Bethlehem is the Messiah, he's the Savior, he is the Lord of heaven and earth. He has come to save us from our sins. And every single person who heard that news, that these angels had come and then they had sung the glory of the Lord, they sit in wonder at what they had just heard. Okay, so, so then we, we get to Mary, verse 19. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Mary sits in wonder as she heard the shepherds tell of the angelic announcement of Jesus' birth. As Mary looks down at her baby boy, whom she already knew was the Savior, because she had already heard that from an angel herself, she hears further confirmations through the shepherds. And, and their story of God's glory shining in the fields of Bethlehem and the good news of great joy that Christ the Lord has come and was indeed lying there before them created a deep sense of reverent awe and wonder in her heart. We read that she treasured up all these things in her heart. She pondered them. Mary was forever changed by what God had done. Her heart would never be the same. And, and I know we don't do this very often. We don't do it because we don't have time. We have jobs, we have kids, we have responsibilities, we have hobbies, we have things we want to do. We just don't have time or we don't make time. When's the last time that you just sat with no distractions and in solitude and silence you just sat and you just thought about the fact that God has come down to earth to save you. And you just thought about it. And you wondered. And you thought about all the pain that you experienced, all the suffering in your life, all that's messed up around you and all that's messed up inside you. And then you think for a moment, God loved me so much that he sent his son to bear all of my guilt and all of my shame and all of my sin. And he has come to save me and he will return for me and he will bring me home. Mary's sitting here looking at this child knowing that all of her hopes for forgiveness and eternal life with God are right in front of her. Right in front of her. I, I, I often wonder 
how often throughout her life she thought back to that night. I, I wonder how much the rest of her life was empowered by what she experienced, saw, and heard that night. Uh, theologian Donald McLeod, I love what he says about the virgin birth. He says, the virgin birth is posted on guard at the door of the mystery of Christmas, and none of us must think of hurrying past it. Don't hurry past the incarnation this year. Sit in wonder as you think about what it means that Jesus was born. Because the birth of Jesus should change what we treasure. And whatever your heart treasures will, will lead to what you live for. The advent of Jesus forces us to reconsider all that we're living for and all that we're treasuring in our hearts. So this Christmas, I want to encourage you, if you want to worship the Lord as you should, first sit in wonder at what he has done. Okay, final response. Go and tell. Go and tell. Now, look at verse 19. Or, sorry, verse 20. It's really simple. feels like a throwaway verse. It's at the very end. Verse 20 definitely the least uh, well-known part of this famous passage. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So the shepherds, they come and they see the sign of the manger and the child lying in it. And, and Mary and the others there, they ponder and they wonder and they worship the Lord for what he has done. And then the shepherds leave. They, they literally are with their flock, they see this angel, they go to Bethlehem, they see the child, and they leave. But they're so different from when they came. They're forever changed, okay? The sign of this child, it intentionally contrasts with the explosion of glory in the field. They come, and what they, so what, the, what have they just seen? A multitude of angels, the glory of the Lord, an angel coming down and speaking to them face to face, glory. And then it's like, now go, and you're going to see this, this child. And they go, and they're in a stable. The Savior, the Lord, the Messiah, lying in a manger. It's intentionally contrasting it to highlight the glory and humility of God. You see, the shepherds, these ratty shepherds, go to Mary and Joseph, who they don't know, and they tell them, hey, look, um, I know you don't know us, but I saw an angel, and the angel told me this, and then a bunch of angels showed up, and this happened, and then they go, and they see the baby, and it's confirmed, and then they leave, and they tell other people who didn't have the privilege that Mary did of, of hearing some of those things before. How crazy would people have thought those shepherds? oh, you guys saw an angel. Ooh, good, that's great. You know, you guys have been out there with the sheep for way too long, way too long. No. Listen, it's the power of the message. It's the compelling beauty of Jesus himself, his glory and humility that draws people into the kingdom. And God sees fit to use, yes, even shepherds, even people like you and me, to advance his kingdom by advancing this gospel message. So a simple takeaway for us today as we close up, the coming of Jesus should change us. It changed Mary forever. It changed the shepherds. The mere fact of Jesus' birth means that God has come to us and for us. And because Jesus is Savior Christ and Lord, who has come to save his people, we can never be the same when we embrace him. 
we simply do not have the option to embrace Jesus and then ignore him. So I want to encourage you to examine your heart as you head into Christmas this week. Are you like Mary, pondering and treasuring Jesus in your heart? Or have you grown numb to him? Are you like the shepherds, praising God and preaching the good news as you return from your encounter with Jesus? Or are you sitting on the good news because you don't think that anyone would listen to you? The good news of great joy that Jesus has come to save us will shape us into the kind of people who proclaim, who ponder, and who praise the gospel. If Jesus has left you unchanged, it is possible that you've never met him. But if you have come to know Jesus, you need to understand that your life should never and will never be the same. So this Christmas, let's behold Christ's glory with wonder. Let's declare his glory with joy. Let's worship his glory with gratitude. And let's look forward to his coming glory with hope. Because just as God was faithful to come to us to save us, he's just as faithful to return for us and bring us home.